This is IAQ Radio, Indoor Air Quality Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry, with your host, Radio Joe Hughes, and the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. And now, Radio Joe Hughes. Good day and welcome to IAQ Radio Plus, episode 63. This week, we welcome back Ruth Ann Norton of the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative. We're going to talk a little bit about some current events and also uh, take a look at what a successful organization looks like. But before we get started, let's thank our sponsors. They're the thing we can continue doing the show. Don't forget, after the show, we can continue the discussion at afterthoughts.iaqradio.com, sponsored by First On Site. Our marquee sponsor is First On Site at firstonsite.com. <clears throat> our association sponsors are the American Conference of Governmental Industrial Hygienists, ACGIH. Org, the American Industrial Hygiene Association, AIHA.org, the Cleaning Industry Research Institute, CIRIScience.org, the Institute for Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification, IICRC.org. Industry sponsors are AEML Laboratories, AEMLINC.com, Particles Plus, ParticlesPlus.com, TSI Inc., TSI.com, Sunbelt Rentals, SunbeltRentals.com, April Air, April AIRE.com, Healthy Indoors Magazine, HealthyIndoors.com. And now you can win a cool prize. It's time for the IAQ Radio trivia question. Be the first to correctly answer. Simply email your answer to czlotnick at cs.com. Or if listening live, just text your answer from your computer. And now, here's the Z-Man. Hello, everyone. I'm happy to report that Don Weeks from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, was first to identify roll-up strategy as the term for the business strategy of acquiring and merging multiple smaller companies within the same industry and combining them into a large entity. The IQ Radio trivia question for today, August 26, 2022, has been sponsored by TSI Inc., an industry leader in the precision instrumentation of monitoring indoor air. Learn how to expand your IAQ investigations at TSI.com. Here's today's IAQ Radio trivia question. What was the original name of the Green Healthy Homes Initiative? Back to you, Joe. All right. Thank you, Cliff. And welcome back, Ruthann. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you, too. Sorry about the news. I bet I, I bet I can answer that question. I'll bet you can, too. <laughs> Having some trouble with audio here today, but I'm back. All right. So uh, it's been since May of 2015. We had you on and uh, a few other folks. Actually, Larry Zarker was on, another member of your group, to talk about the National Environmental Leadership Award and Asthma Management. Um, Mark Kravitz of your group and Larry Zarker were on. Let's start with a review of, of who your group is and what the goals are. Well, uh, so we are uh, an organization founded in 1986. Uh, I won't say our name, right? Um, but the uh, our original focus was to look at the uh, toxic legacy of lead in Baltimore City. And we built out a very uh, uh, strong and probably national leading program uh, over a course of a number of years. And we've reduced lead poisoning by 99%. Uh, 
returning back to the state of Maryland over $44.5 billion in economic return. But over those 30 years of our uh, work, we expanded the work to include indoor air quality and asthma reduction. Uh, and today we align climate, healthy housing, and health uh, to address social determinants of health, opportunity, and equity. Um, in short, we, we are looking to change uh, housing condition for our low wealth communities uh, to ensure that we reduce the incidence of asthma, respiratory disease, COPD, and other health impacts like lead poisoning, um, injury, uh, and the like uh, by just simply doing health-based housing repair. Um, and what we are really known for today is how do we turn that uh, work into also uh, quantifiable results uh, for the healthcare industry, uh, for utilities, and improve uh, government services uh, to ensure that we capture all of these dollars that are now out there uh, around energy efficiency, around climate, to improve the health and the indoor air quality of homes uh, for every family in America. You know, I, th I called this show What Success Looks Like because it, it seems like, you know, your goal has been and, and it used to be to collaborate with others to help get, to get these programs up and running. Can you talk a little bit about that collaboration and who some of the partners are to help oh, you meet these missions? Sure. I mean, we have over uh, well over a thousand partners that we work with, you know, so it's uh, – but that includes governors and mayors, nonprofits like Habitat for Humanity and Rebuilding Together, uh, big healthcare entities like the University of Pennsylvania Health System uh, through Lancaster General Health, ProVetica, Molina, United, AmeriGroup, uh, utilities like Exelon, uh, like Consumers Energy, Detroit Energy, uh, and others. Um, and then foundations who are really leading the work on the intersection of the environment uh, and housing, like the JPB Foundation, the Robert Wood Johnson uh, Foundation, the Gilbert Family Foundation in Detroit. We have launched an, a major program with them. Uh, entities like ProMedica, the health uh, healthcare um, operation out of uh, Ohio, but we also are working with and for the states of Wisconsin, Ohio, Maryland, Rhode Island, uh, Michigan, uh, and across the country. And then we uh, work in alignment as well with HUD, with the Department of Energy, with the Health and Human Services, with CDC and uh, the EPA, where I proudly serve on uh, the EPA's um, Children's Health Advisory Protection Council. Um, so it takes a lot of people and a lot of players uh, from uh, ground up, we are really focused on what happens in the home. And uh, we're just always uh, at bat trying to get as many resources in an aligned way um, to take some common sense and evidence-based measures uh, to improve the health of housing as a linchpin for the quality of life and social determinants of health and um, and just people's health and well-being in general. So, you know, it seems like 
first of all, how big is your organization? I don't think it's a huge organization, is it? It's more uh, of a collaborative thing. Uh, no, we, yeah, we're about 50 people. Uh, we punch seriously above our weight. Um, and that's because we believe in collaboration. We believe in really authentic, longstanding, and effective partnerships. And we don't need to recreate amazing resources that exist in every community, right? So our partnerships, you know, last week we had the Building Performance Association. We have a partnership with BPI as well, you know, all of whom have thousands of members uh, around uh, work. We work with contractors throughout the country. There are fantastic uh, community development corporations and organizations, as I said, like Habitat and others who are doing uh, really important work. And uh, whether it's action housing in, in uh, Pittsburgh or uh, the uh, PEA, Philadelphia Energy Authority in Philadelphia, uh, or GHHI here in Baltimore, we are, we are trying to really lift what exists in the community, tie it together to more effective ways. Uh, we can create healthier housing, have better ventilation, have better indoor air quality. Um, and that includes addressing the entire structure. Our focus is both resident health. Uh, that's why our deep, deep partnerships with healthcare like Johns Hopkins here in our own uh, city and across the nation. Uh, and uh, it's why we're doing indoor air quality work with Molina Health and the New York City Health Department and groups like uh, Association of uh, uh, AEA, uh, up in uh, New York and Air NYC in New York. It, it's a collaboration. What we hope to always do is be the catalyst around standards, practices, and effective uh, ways uh, to achieve optimal outcomes. So of, of your 50 people, how many are in the Baltimore area and how many are in, in other areas? Good question. Uh, it's about 50-50. Okay. And where are your other main hubs? Uh, Memphis, Providence, Jackson, uh, Mississippi. We, uh, but we have employees in Philadelphia, in Kansas City, in Santa Monica, California, in Maine, uh, uh, across the nation. Uh, so we are uh, really, uh, uh, we're, we have a big project that we've lifted in North Carolina. Um, we have employees in Delaware. Um, so we're, we're uh, you know, we are helping. Uh, a great deal across the country. We will uh, be adding staff in Detroit uh, and in Milwaukee. Uh, and uh, and uh, we have really big projects being lifted in Milwaukee and the state of New Jersey. Uh, we also have uh, staff in New Jersey uh, and we're going to be lifting uh, uh, on behalf of the New Jersey Board of Public Utilities, a pilot project to demonstrate what whole, a whole house strategy that looks at Climate dollars, uh, which include weatherization, energy efficiency, cool roofs, um, decarbonization, uh, as well as health measures uh, there. Um, so we're working, we're working in uh, areas of high need. Our project with ProMedica out of uh, uh, our partnership there is in seven cities across the country, uh, Chicago, Cleveland, Detroit. Toledo, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore. Um, and we're doing, I think, just simply amazing work as well in Memphis. Um, but we are 
partnered up in Oakland uh, and in California, where I head next week. What a, America? You mentioned them. I'm familiar with them. Is that a healthcare organization? Or? They're a healthcare. They're a, a healthcare organization in Ohio. Uh, but we also work with Molina, as I said, Amerigroup, United, Blue Cross, um, just a number of Johns Hopkins, a number of health entities across the country. Um, in that particular seven-unit project, they are putting in uh, money into each of those seven uh, cities as a base, and then we're raising additional monies. Uh, from uh, you know, uh, really important philanthropy, healthcare, uh, and government. Uh, when we were preparing for the show, I sent you a question. And, um, it was it, it seemed that holistic approach would be a tough sell for people in the industry. I, I, I see it working well for you when you're working with, you know, government agencies, foundations, large healthcare organizations, et cetera. But where I see problem is, is with the small consulting groups out there doing things like mold inspection and indoor air quality. And I think it's a harder sell for them to do the holistic approach as opposed to just tackling one issue. Like I've got oh, a lead inspection yeah. or that. How you would suggest those who aren't in that public sector would be able to maybe better sell that holistic approach as opposed to the piecemeal approach? Well, first of all, they ought to uh, find the consortium or the collaborative in their community that is working under an aligned grade coordinate uh, process. Given just where we are on the Inflation Reduction Act, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act, the American Recovery Program, those federal dollars alone, along with uh, general uh, federal budgets, state dollars, government dollars, there's a lot of money coming in that we don't want to deliver in a scattered or fractured manner, right? Um, so in almost every city, there is an effort to do this alignment, which I think is massive opportunity if you're in the indoor air quality world on the inspection or the home performance uh, to be a contractor in as part of that. What is growing is that comprehensive assessment that is done um, that when you may be going in to do an assessment on indoor air quality to at least have uh, general categories where you can refer uh, or be a part of uh, an approach that might address chipping lead paint or mold or um, you know broken stair treads or leaky roofs. They're, the consortium of that work together in partnership with those in the building performance or indoor air quality, um, it's really a part of a collaboration uh, the contractors often doing the work are increasingly cross-trained uh, to do this work. So to be a weatherization energy efficiency contractor who can also do the lead paint work, who uh, can do ventilation work, and having those um, uh, contractors who can do that cross-sector work in a way are benefiting uh, because they can manage the whole project. Uh, as we look at it. But even when we are kind of looking at the whole project, uh, there are subs on those projects and opportunities uh, to do that. So I think being in the vernacular, understanding uh, sort of the picture of the whole health of the house, 
and being able to collaborate, uh, we would be, we would welcome anybody uh, listening to this to contact us, and we will try to connect them to what may be happening in their uh, region or city or area. Um, and we are also encouraging contractors in uh, in this work to look at opportunities to hire from historically disinvested communities, uh, provide uh, job opportunities and workforce opportunities. And there's lots of supportive dollars uh, to do that and to help to grow an industry uh, as a part of this. You know, I think that's a great point. Uh, I just happened to run across, I I met the director of the local uh, weatherization program here in Somerset County. Somerset County is a, a rural county. We're pretty poor county. And he can't find enough people to help him do these inspection assessment and remediation projects. So I think that's a great point. And it's something that those, you know, on the in the private sector doing this type of work may want to uh, consider hooking up with your group and or their local agency that's doing this type of work. Yeah, I'm looking at a comment that came in on the chat here also about um contractors not being regulated uh, in the state of Ohio. I'd love to connect with the, the questioner here and see what we can do together um, and really ensure that we have good standards uh, and that they are being regulated. Uh, it's, a, it's certainly important. The state of Ohio, for example, in that work has uh, federal grants that require that uh, regulation um, so definitely, uh, if we can help Doug out, uh, please contact us uh, at uh, Doug at uh, 410-534-6447. Um, and certainly want to help there, too. So sorry, Cliff, I just saw that and wanted to uh, chime in and be helpful. No, that's that's great. Actually, I, I appreciate that. And Doug's a great guy, and I'm sure he will be in touch. Um I had a follow-up to he. Do you think with the new, all the new programs that are coming out, there will be more enforcement? I mean, his his issue was there wasn't enough enforcement to get contractors to come to the training and do things right. Will you? Will we see more enforcement now with all this money being put into the Infrastructure Act and other acts? Well, you know, I think that I have a concern on that in this way. Uh, Cities, counties, and states are going to be a bit overwhelmed, I think, by the amount of money coming. They're trying to build. Uh, they're trying to build the infrastructure to raise uh, the capacity. Uh, the only way to do it right that it is sustainable is to have good standards. Right? Um, we have to follow evidence. We have to follow science. We have to follow standards to have it be sustainable and have it be truly healthy uh, for people. Uh, we are going to be concentrating on that in the areas uh, that we're working. You know, a great lesson uh, from our work in lead here in Baltimore was that the thing that made the biggest movement uh, in our reduction on lead poisoning, it was important to have the money. Uh, but what really got people moving was that the standards set out, uh, which are the strictest standards in the country, we're going to be enforced by the state, uh, by the city of Baltimore and others. And uh, that enforcement standard and following through on the enforcement standard moved the market 
uh, of the 99%, we can attest to about 45 or 50% of the market moved solely because of the enforcement work. And, uh, but I think standards are really important as we train up new uh, contractors. It's important for communities. And you know, on all of the work we do, the communities with the best standards have the highest reinvestment in their low wealth uh, communities, whether they're urban or rural, as well as their middle market communities. Uh, so standards matter. Uh, they matter, and they also matter for health protection of the contract. I, I want to get into the um, Inflation Reduction Act and, and the webinar you did recently. But before we do, John, pull up the, the GHII website. And um, you're talking a lot about standards. I'm sorry, GHHI, sorry. You are talking a lot about standards. And when I was going through the website in preparation for the show, I saw a link on there to what I think are, are some of the, an example of what you're talking about. It was under the, um, it, it was the technical assistance. Yeah, I think it was the. Oh, yeah, uh, technical assistance, go down there. Yep. Okay. Okay. I then, we need to do an update on our site from June. And so I see that. Uh, so thanks for. Uh, there's the technical assistance, but there's a section on here where you can, you'd have to email in to get the, the protocol for certain activities. Yeah, like- I mean, some of it is, is work product, obviously, and uh, we do a lot of work product for cities, states, uh, and uh, nonprofit organizations around the country. And so we customize that depending on uh, what is existent. But uh, in all of our communities, we're looking at the asset and gaps that exist. Uh, we're looking at standards. We're making recommendations accordingly. We did do, um, I think, that is on the site somewhere. Happy to share with your listeners uh, a whole standard uh, called M-Home that we did and built uh, for uh, the EPA under um, uh, around asthma reduction standards. We are really building things that are uh, around the health outcome side. And then we use, utilize, obviously, uh, best practices in uh, industries like IAQ or lead or uh, decarbonization or the like. Uh, but And then we help communities be able to use those standards and look at how do they fund it, how do they build the workforce capacity and infrastructure. So we're kind of looking at the larger framework on that. And we employ a lot of uh, kind of consultancy experts as well as our own uh, work uh, to look at health savings uh, calculations and um, research for sure. John, can you pull that site back up and go to the Healthy Homes tab, if you would? I've got a question about Healthy Homes. There we go, healthy homes. And then uh, steps to protect your family or, or ask the experts. Go to the ask the experts. That's a very good section I saw. And it, this is a lot of great question and answer type stuff for people that are, you know, interested in like, is radon a concern? How can I test my home, um, et cetera? I assume you're you're uh, collaborating with other people to help you answer these questions. We, we are. Uh, and what I'd love to say to your industry and your listeners is that if they see something that they think there's a better update uh, or where they can help or they can serve as a good advisor or consultant in some of this work, 
please reach out to us. We're looking for best practices always for the communities that we serve. Um, you know, we're looking at the broad impacts of environmental health factors and other factors in housing that um, can impair or improve health. And uh, our goal is that uh, we are creating practices within communities that where people live um, actually gives them a good uh, launching pad for their lives. Um, we're getting ready to update uh, what is widely known as the eight elements of healthy housing. We're going to 10 uh, because we're going to be in, uh, including some work around decarbonization, which has a lot to do with indoor air quality and a lot to do with neurological health, uh, as well as electrification. Um, as we uh, think about uh, that work, we're looking at um, people moving from gas heat uh, over to other uh, alternatives. And uh, so we would always, we're, we are a always learning organization. Uh, we will vet uh, the suggestions and uh, recommendations for best practices, certainly. Uh, but we're a collaborator and uh, we want to help and also help people who in, in uh, the indoor air quality work that are doing good things and uh, lift up that work so that communities know uh, what's available to them. I know that that essentials of healthy housing. At one time there were seven. Now there's eight, or now there's ten. Okay, you, well, you there's, soon to, there's soon to be ten. We're gonna so, soon we're to gonna be launch 10. that in October as part of um, environmental health. Uh, yes, children's environmental health, and uh, during National Lead Week. I, I always love that approach of looking at, in, in this case, residential buildings. Those essentials that the the ones I followed came from the National Center for Healthy Housing. Are you working closely with them as well? Uh, we don't uh, work with them uh, on a day-to-day basis, but we're collaborators in the space. Uh, they do a lot of uh, research evaluation work. Uh, we are much more on the research implementation and evaluation work. Um, we actually run um, implementation programs, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, here in Baltimore and uh, Memphis and, and other places. We've just launched a big uh, thing. We're, we are just different uh, animals, uh, if you will. DHHI is a, is a bit larger uh, with a li- little bit larger reach. The work of NCHH has been uh, invaluable, obviously, and continues to be uh, as part of the industry. I, I, I noticed uh, you said no. 50 people. It seems like that has changed. Like we, we had you on in 2015. I'm just wondering, ballpark, how many people do you have then? I wouldn't be able to answer that question without going back and looking uh, at the number, but I would say that we were probably 30. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't realize at the time. So you've had great success in, in you know, getting yeah, our goal. Our goal isn't to add more people. Our goal is to add more effectiveness, right? So we try to do most of our work uh, by helping others build their capacity, helping others be more effective and bringing um, kind of collaboratives together. Uh, I would say that we, you know, where we are on our projections is we may likely be 60 people over the next two years. 
but that's that's not our primary goal is to grow the number of people we employ, but to employ resources well in communities. Our goal is to get the maximum amount of resources into the homes of individuals of need so we improve their health. And we judge our own work uh, and our own selves by that uh, lens is the value add and impact. I, I, I hear all the time from people, contractors, consultants, it's tough to get people. You obviously are adding people on a regular basis. Any tips for our audience on the best way to find these people that are interested in this type of work? A uh, lot of shoe leather, a lot of uh, it's networks, it's relationships, it's uh, reputation, right? Help a lot. Um, I would say that the year prior uh, to this coming out of COVID, um, what a weird uh, employment market. Right. And um, we had everything from, the, you know, the 20 year olds who believe they uh, are ready to make a million dollars a year and God love them if they can get it. Um, and uh, and those who are with great experience uh, being so sought after. Right. That uh, uh, kind of getting the mix of the, the market. I think the market has settled down on employment and. Um, Really, uh, you know, we have really looked at how do we ensure that we're giving work opportunities uh, into low wealth communities across the country, both urban and rural, uh, that we are really lifting up talent, building new pipeline. So much like my beloved Baltimore Orioles, <laughs> the farm system, I had to get that in, right? And get my. Uh, <laughs> Because when I moved to Baltimore in 1983, we won the World Series, and I thought this is going to be great, and we haven't won it since then. So yeah. <laughs> uh, we had, uh, we've had some up and down years. We've been in the playoffs a number of times in the, in the 80s, uh, 80s, 90s, and 2000. Uh, but we're in we're rebuilding, but we have a really fun squad this year, so it's kind of fun. Um, I was just up at the Pittsburgh Stadium. What a pretty stadium that is. Beautiful have a great friend who works at the Dodgers and uh, has really ignited my interest in baseball. Um, but it's fun to always root for the hometown team, right? Well, you moved to Baltimore. Where where did you move from? Where where are you from? Where are your roots? Uh, born in Brooklyn, New York, uh, from, with an, from an Irish Catholic father and a Southern Baptist mother. Wow. I was raised mainly in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, went to the university, proudly went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, uh, go Heels. Uh, spent a couple of years overseas in Paris and moved from Paris to Baltimore. Interesting. All right, we've got to stop for halftime, thank our sponsors. When we come back, I'm going to ask Ruth Ann if she can give us kind of the cliff notes on the recent webinar they did on the Inflation Reduction Act, I believe is what they're calling it. Interesting name, but uh, we can talk about that when we get back. Our marquee sponsor is First On Site, your trusted full-service disaster recovery and property restoration company at firstonsite.com. Association sponsors are ACGIH, Advancing Careers of Professionals in Environmental Health, Industrial Hygiene, and Safety, Interested in Defining Their Science, ACGIH.org, AIHA, Healthy Workplaces, A Healthier World, AIHA.org, The Cleaning Industry Research Institute, See More Deeply Through Science and Research, CIRI, 
Science.org. The IICRC, a nonprofit standards development and certifying body for the cleaning and restoration industry, IICRC.org. Industry sponsors are AEML Laboratories, free shipping, great pricing, same day results with no rush fee, AEMLINC.com. Particles Plus. Feature-rich particle counters and air quality instrumentation. Count on us. Particlesplus.com. TSI Inc., an industry leader in precision instrumentation for monitoring indoor air. Learn how to expand your IAQ investigations. TSI.com. Sunbelt Rentals. Availability, reliability, and ease for all your IAQ and restoration needs at sunbeltrentals.com. April Air, healthy air, healthy home, April, A-I-R-E.com. And Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online magazine for industry professionals and consumers, healthyindoors.com. All right, we're back with Ruth Ann Norton, President and CEO of the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative. Ruthann, your, your group recently did a webinar about the housing and energy investments in the Inflation Reduction Act. I, I wonder if you could give our listeners a quick overview of what you think are the important parts of that act for those in our industry. Yeah, let me just uh, say that I was also very pleased that my own Senator Chris Van Hollen uh, in that wrote the Hope for Homes Act, which I think is so critical uh, in this work. But in the $369 billion of investments that will be made in climate and energy, uh, there's $9 billion uh, that's in home energy rebate programs that will help people uh, electrify their appliances in their homes and for energy efficiency retrofits as a focus on low-income consumers. In the $4.3 billion for the Help, uh, Hope for Homes Act, it offers valuable rebates for home energy retrofits for low-income households. And uh, in addition, the, the bill includes expanded consumer tax credits to provide greater access to clean energy, providing incentives for rooftop solar, energy storage systems, and other clean technology. And there are bonus tax incentives are provided to develop clean energy resources in low-income communities, actually getting the manufacturing in low-wealth communities and, air, and, and like areas to experience a transition away from fossil fuels. So a lot of this is moving uh, to that clean energy. There's a billion dollars for HUD-led grant programs that will improve energy and water efficiency in affordable housing, and 60 billion that'll go through EPA for environmental justice with a variety of investments for communities disproportionately impacted uh, by pollution and climate change. And that includes 3 billion uh, in environmental and climate justice block grants, uh, similar to what the community development block grant uh, kind of thinking to address disproportionate environmental and public health uh, pollution and climate change uh, in our black, brown, and low income and low wealth uh, communities. And then the last two points, uh, really, I would raise is the billion that's there to incentivize states and municipalities to adopt themselves. Uh, more energy efficient codes and 27 billion to establish for the first time a national green bank uh, that will capitalize the deployment of emission reducing technologies, particularly in disadvantaged communities. 
and billions more around uh, job development, um, bolstering our ability to do something that we think is critically important for indoor air quality and health, and that is to decarbonize housing. Uh, we're working also, and not only through uh, the, our work that we did on the Inflation Reduction Act uh, on decarbonization electrification and environmental justice, we're working to get Medicaid healthcare uh, entities to understand that investments in climate-driven measures in the home uh, that improve indoor air quality, improve respiratory health, uh, really should be part of their investments on social determinants of health uh, and for asthma reduction for certain. Um, you know, but indoor air quality goes so much further. It has impacts on cardiac health. It has impact on brain function. Um, so these are important things that we are pushing upstream to say why we need to do these investments. So I think this is an important time uh, to see how we can get these resources out to communities, uh, you know, including Southwest Ohio and uh, other parts of the country that don't normally see an uh, influx of large dollars, build the right infrastructure. And there is a real challenge to deploy um, the workforce. Uh, and so it is, a, it is a challenge and an opportunity for us to really employ underemployed individuals, underskilled individuals, uh, to upskill them, uh, to bring them into industries like IAQ uh, and health-based housing um, that are sustainable careers beyond uh, you know, government investment um, and insertion of capital there. It, it sounds like a big part of this is going to be training people. Do we have the training facilities, instructors in place that can handle this large influx of money and students to do this training? Well, I think there's twofold, right? We've got to get people interested in the industry and we've got to be doing good recruitment efforts and we have to be strengthening the training network. And the training networks need to be able to reach people and uh, be able to have enough traction, right, in communities uh, that um, we can do that. But one of the things that's also going to happen here is there's going to be money to be able at that the work at scale means that contractors can depend on a larger amount of homes, right? That they can do this work in a larger client base. Um, so it's going to take all sides of this recruiting the client base who want to receive the services, training people to expand the industry in the right way, in the right facilities, the right training, and then efficiently getting those dollars. So this is a big job that cannot be one czar in Washington and one czar per state. This is local dollars. All of this work happens in local communities. It doesn't happen in the halls of Congress or the state houses. It happens in people's homes and in buildings. Um, and we have to be thinking about the infrastructure there. Don't have the answer uh, except to say that I uh, think that we will require uh, a broader uh, distribution of training centers, uh, more support for training centers, because you cannot do uh, credible workforce development without really credible uh, training. And then once trained, sort of supported networks to continue 
to apprentice new workers in their uh, workplace. Has there ever been this big of an investment in indoor environmental quality and decarbonization in the past? Never. How long will this money last? Is it is it a one shot thing? And you know, over the next two or three years, we've got to get this done. Or are they looking at this more of a long term? Well, yeah. If you take this, the American Recovery Program that governors have uh, and mayors have uh, their fingers on, uh, and are doing uh, the work to get it out to their communities and their priorities. And the building of the bipartisan, sorry, infrastructure act, uh, those three behemoths, along with the federal budgets, state budgets and, uh, private sector work, uh, there has never been a time in our country at this dollar level. You know, I think about the investments that Roosevelt made in different things. I think this, uh, dwarfs that, dwarfs the, uh, American Recovery Act during the Obama administration, all important dollars moving forward. Uh, but for uh, certainly for the work around decarbonization, which is such an opportunity to improve uh, health and housing, uh, never have we had this kind of level of, uh, of sort of the startup dollars and the dollars to move this forward. This will roll out. Uh, uh, you know, in various tranches over the next decade. Uh, and part of the real work that we also need to do is to ensure that we have a sustainable way to keep people employed, uh, keep moving the market, uh, to continue doing the training and retraining as we uh, roll along and take lessons from our, the American Recovery Act, about how to sustain work um that matters and some of it will uh, likely at the end of the decade if we reach our goals on uh emissions right uh reduction uh then we will have new things to be taking on i saw that in the last few days california has said after 2035 they will not allow the sale of a combustion engine car right a uh, gas fueled car so changes are happening uh, and that's rapid speed for that kind of change. And changes are happening rapidly in some of the cities across the country, like New York and others, who have said, you cannot build a building anymore uh, fueled by gas. Um, that's, a, that's a game changer. It's an industry changer. Um, markets, uh, whether or not people oppose, support or oppose this, once adopted, uh, the markets start to shift, right? And so we're going to see a lot of market shift and there will be a lot of need on measurement and evaluation of the work being done. I wonder, there's going to be a lot of investment in uh, mechanical systems, essentially, you know, uh, heat pumps, which are electric and, and heat pump water heaters and things like that. Do you work with anyone in the uh, HVAC industry? Are there any groups you're working with? Are, are they or, excited I, about this? Are they worried yeah, about it? I think they're adapting. Uh, like car companies, they're adapting. They're moving. They're getting, um, they're moving this forward. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of groups that have come up like power uh, that are working to um, 
they call it turning uh, turning buildings into Tesla basically or something along that line. A really powerful, smart guy, but Bonnell Baird. Uh, but there's groups around the country, Energy Solutions in California and others that are working on this. RMI, uh, just an amazing and stellar, formerly known as the Rocky Mountain Institute, uh, just stellar in their work, the building decarbonization uh, organization. Uh, even states like uh, agencies like NYSERDA are working uh, to move forward this uh, tech. In the Inflation Reduction Act, there's money for the production of, uh, of these appliances um, in the change out of, uh, you know, residential mechanicals. Um, so lots are being done um, to do that, and lots are being done to ramp the production. Um, you know, in our project, we, we look to do thousands of units. Uh, over the next couple of years, next several years, two, three years, um, to move people off of this. And we've got a real important excitement around the health side, and we are going to be paying special attention uh, to the economic side, uh, ensuring uh, there's just money that just came out of DOE to ensure that very low-income individuals who move from gas to electric uh, won't be hurt economically as the markets shift. You know, once you remove a market, it, then the electric market will settle out. But if it just where we are today, you could electrify a home and it could actually cost somebody more on their, their monthly bill. So as we move to a different way of those markets happening, right, we have to build in the safeguards <clears throat> that, Help us make that market transformation. You know, you Next mentioned earlier. As well as health at play here. Yep. And glad, uh, you, but, glad to see we got your picture back. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. I hope it will stay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It was a podcast for a while there. But uh, anyway, um, you mentioned earlier Medicare, Medicaid, healthcare groups. Maybe I've been hearing for 10 years. They were going to start helping to pay for some of this indoor environmental work. That's happening. Is it happening? What, how, happening. how is that coming along? Uh, it's definitely happening. Uh, healthcare investments in uh, healthy housing and indoor air quality. I can tell you just uh, one example. Uh, Molina Healthcare is partnered with GHHI uh, and Northern Trust and the JPB Foundation in the city of New York. And we are doing indoor air quality work. Um, and improving indoor air quality, uh, and the, uh, all the entire cost of that work is being paid back solely out of Medicaid savings. Hmm. Interesting. Hey, John, let's, let's go to the roundup. The Roundup is brought to you by April Air, providing healthy humidity, ventilation, and air purity solutions for new and existing homes. April Air, healthy air, healthy home at aprilaire.com. All right. I remember now what, what section on the website I wanted to look at, and it was the Healthy Homes Toolkit. John, can you maybe go on there and go to uh, go back to the website and pull up that Healthy Homes Toolkit? 
I can't remember which tab it was under. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Scroll down. This was our virtual. Um, Just so you know uh, what this was, is that during COVID, uh, we uh, migrated and pivoted very, very quickly. How do we help people during COVID where on-site, in-home inspections uh, were not able to happen uh, and that we would send in for home repair, highly protected uh, workers? But all of the intake, the pre-assessment, and the initial assessment was done virtually. And that's what these tools, this is what this toolkit is. I see. And I assume it's based on your in-the-field toolkit as well, I mean, to some degree. Based on our, yes, it's based, uh, it, it was a modification, uh, obviously, because we could not run blower doors, uh, test ventilation systems, test temperature, do lead, uh, lead testing. Uh, but it is a it was a takeoff of our comprehensive assessment. It was actually adopted by 144 agencies very quickly, including states like Connecticut and others, um, to be used. And then it helped us to prioritize, obviously, during that time, uh, the highest needs. We were deeply concerned, especially about our older adults, um, on extreme heat and extreme cold, uh, making sure that we were not leaving people at greater risk uh, because they were spending their entire time at home, uh, and it, it and it, you know, it, we learned a few things about it. We now do our first introduction meeting before we show up at a house virtually where we can, so people can meet us, uh, they can get to know us, they can trust us, and know who's going to be knocking on their door. Uh, hmm. So uh, there's something very beneficial to the things that we learned uh, during COVID. And where would you find more about the the assessment process? I mean, uh, the it, comprehensive assessment is under our services, but we do that through training, uh, and uh, through our trainings, we uh, train on the comprehensive assessment tool that's used by uh, the state of Maryland. It's used by a, n- a number of our projects uh, throughout the country. Um, a version of it is being used in Detroit, along with a really nifty system called Pronto that's been de- uh, developed uh, in partnership with the, the Good Minds from Rocket uh, Rocket Community Foundation, um, Detroit Energy, City of Detroit Housing, and others. Um, but uh, if anybody has an interest in our comprehensive assessment, they can email us and uh, we can go through that. That's what I was looking for, and I will do that. It is somewhere on our website. I'm not an expert in the website, but if people want to ask for it, um, it was developed between uh, GHHI, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, uh, EPA, CDC, and others, and it has been evolved from that. So it is a well-vetted instrument, but it is looking at um, a broad set of energy and health impacts in the housing. That sounds like something we want to put a link to in the uh, in the in the blog, Cliff. Cliff, do you have any follow ups or questions to add? Um, I, I I do actually. I, I I really have a concern, and you know, you know, I think the United States for many years has followed what countries in Europe have done. Uh, you know, particularly in Scandinavia, uh, etc. Et and 
you know, I think there's going to be a huge change by adopting this. We're now going to be the world leader in this and we'll be doing more than anyone else is. And my big concern is I'm not sure that it's going to really make a significant difference to, to climate, et cetera, if just the United States does it and other countries don't do it, you know, like China and so on and so forth. And furthermore, I'm worried about the cost of doing it. You know, where is all this money going to come from? And, uh, you know, certainly I don't believe it's going to come from taxes. It seems like it's going to come from, we're going to print more and more money. And I, I just, I'm just really worried about the impact it's going to have on, on the economy. Well, you've, you've now taken us into the Federal Reserve and economics and uh, a number of things, right? Um, and I am a trained economist uh, uh, in my college uh, and graduate uh, days, but uh, I'm probably not an expert at that, except for to say that the attempt in the Inflation Reduction Act is to be uh, relatively budget neutral by increasing uh, uh, corporate taxes to a minimum of um, 15%, so that uh, I think the goal there, right, it, uh, as I understand it, right, in a, in a nonpartisan, nonpolitical way, uh, is to say that uh, the Amazons of the world uh, need to pitch in, pay their fair taxes. I do think the money, um, I look at this as um not venture capital per se, but important infrastructure investments that the government has made in many things over the course of time uh, in uh, new areas of development uh, that the government's going first in order to spur uh, the private economy. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's a myriad of examples of that through the course of history, including uh, the computer and tech world and uh, pharma and other other things. Uh, not that I think they're all doing things the best way, Cliff, right? But uh, I do think it's necessary from a standpoint of the environment and for public health for us to make uh, massive uh, efforts uh, to do this. I think everybody has an opinion on climate change, um, or there's certainly camps on that. It will make a difference these monies will make a difference in the housing standard and the, uh, I think, the indoor air quality of residential housing and buildings. Uh, what it will do for the environment writ large, I think you can ask better experts than me on that. But from an infrastructure point of view in our buildings, whether they're residential, commercial, institutional, or otherwise, uh, there is no doubt in my mind that this is significant, critically important to make up for decades of disinvestment and lack of investment. And, you know, we've got lots of infrastructure in this country that we let lay to waste uh, beyond this, bridges, airports, hospital facilities. Um, we just did not pass as we did not have a mentality of essential maintenance practices in general around our uh, how we fund, right? I'm a believer that we ought to fund things and uh, be tracking outcomes and really incentivize outcomes 
uh, that we need to have. We've got to be more routinized in how we think about standards and practices. Uh, and I also believe in the private sector that we need to use evidence and science uh, to establish standards and we need to enforce those. Um, and if we do those things, we actually over time need less of these massive big investments. Um, but we're now, by putting things off, we'll end up with these big things, right? Um, I, I would very much wish that we could go back uh, 50, 60 years and be much more thoughtful about what do we need to do as a routine base. And those things that are routine, necessary, and important, whether it's indoor air quality, whether it's bridges, right, or whatever, that we know need to be done, that should come out of a political uh, bailiwick and should be in essential things that we do as a society. You know, I just want to, you know, one other minor thing is that, you know, unfortunately, we don't have the raw materials. We don't have the capabilities in the United States to have what's needed to make uh, solar panels. We have to rely on China in order to get the materials and so on and so forth in order to do it. And I think that strategically, uh, this is a... this is a challenge. You know, we have issues with China, I think, economically. We also have issues with them militarily. And uh, I don't and know. You know what? It, it, I got a hard stop at one o'clock for Ruth Ann. I'm sorry, but I think it's a good point. Something we'll have to discuss as time goes on. Ruth Ann, before we go, is there anything you'd like to add? Anything we missed? Or maybe you want to talk about maybe what the future of green and now, healthy. I'll tell you, number one, I want to have uh, make sure that we have your followers and listeners join us uh, this coming April at our uh, Executive Leadership Institute, where we talk about best practices. I want to encourage people take a look at our website, make suggestions on things that we think would be good. Contact us if you're interested in working across the country in some of these initiatives, um, and uh, always enjoy hearing from people, learning. Um, and if people want to set up some time and talk with us, please do that, 410-534-6447. Um, and uh, I promise you we've got a lot of really good and talented people here, so beyond me, who can get down in the weeds on uh, all of the good stuff um, around the, the industry. I just so much appreciate being back with you. I hope it isn't uh, seven years until uh, the <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Try to make it sooner. And if anybody's in Baltimore, please come see us at our headquarters here. Uh, and go Orioles. Thank you so much, Ruth Ann Norton. The, uh, that was wonderful. The, the president and CEO, I believe I have that right, of the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative. Uh, this is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks to this week's guest, to my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick, to our Engineer John, you got to have faith at the controls. Most importantly, our growing group of uh, audience and sponsors. We'll be back in two weeks. We're going to take off Labor Day. Everybody, please enjoy Labor Day. And we'll be back in two weeks with the next episode of IAQ Radio Plus. For IAQ Radio, I'm Spike Reel saying thanks for listening. <laughs>